0: Welcome to the Innovation in Government Show, sponsored by Carasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. My guest is Paul Battaglia, the Vice President of Federal Sales for BlackBerry. Paul, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Jason. Let me set some context for our discussion. There are two companion bills currently making their way through Congress that require agencies to take a mobile-first approach to services. The 21st Century Integrated Digital Experience Act, or 21st Century Idea Act, was introduced in the House by Congressman Ro Khanna and in the Senate by Senator Ron Johnson. Among the provisions in the bill is one that would require agencies to make public an online, mobile-friendly digital service option for any in-person government transaction or paper-based process in a manner that decreases costs, increases digital conversation, and improves customer experience in the two, within two years of the bill becoming law. Now, these bills build on a growing expectation and realization that agencies still are playing catch up with the private sector around mobile service options. But it's not just transactional services that need help. Agencies are increasingly using connected devices, whether sensors on buildings to measure energy use or tablets in the field to collect data from citizens. The Trump administration's IT modernization effort hinges on moving services to the citizen and using the data to make better decisions. And at the same time, securing these devices and the data has become more critical. In fact, the Homeland Security Department is adding a mobile security piece to its Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation, or CDM, program under Phase 3. The capabilities would give agencies visibility from the mobility device management systems by sending data to their agency-wide cyber dashboards. They'll have greater understanding of what's on and what mobile devices are in danger. DHS says it will initially focus on protecting the device and the move to protecting the application, and eventually the entire mobile environment. But there's more to securing mobile devices than just CDM and its dashboard, and in fact, that's a good time to turn to our guest. Bob Battaglia is the Vice President of Federal Sales for BlackBerry. Paul, let's just start maybe at the beginning and talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about security and, and if you will, the state of cybersecurity, maybe as it relates to mobility.
1: Sure. Good afternoon, Jason. Nice to be with you again. First of all, let me put it in context that I am the Vice President of BlackBerry Federal, but we are talking today in the context of software as a cyber defense, not phones, as most people are familiarized with in terms of BlackBerry. But in perspective, just during this day, the government is going to have an estimated 10 million hack attempts. And that's at the Pentagon alone. And you're probably familiar with Thomas Friedman's phrase, the world is flat, uh, alluding to the connected world. He was referring, of course, to commerce. (laughs) But... It also flattens warfare, and cyber is now warfare, and dozens of countries now currently have or are developing offensive cyber attack capabilities, which is now viewed as the fifth element of warfare after space, sea, land, and air. So the issue for us, in terms of defending against this, is that no chain is stronger than its weakest length. Mobility happens to be the new frontier for rogue actors hackers and adversaries alike. So we have many challenges in front of us. When you talk about the context of that many attempts on our infrastructure daily, the government is big. You talk about congressional reform, but we have slow acquisition processes and very quick to change tools to defend in the war against cyber warfare. So this is a major challenge for our cyber teams. You can't protect against every threat. But I do have to say that our CIOs, our security officers, our cyber teams do an incredible job and it's a job that's tougher than ever. It's a thankless job. Our experts can't talk about their successes, but one single failure out of those 10 million today will end up on the front page of the newspaper.
0: It's that idea in many ways of proving that something didn't happen. I know that oftentimes we talk about that in the cyber world is okay how do you prove your worth well that didn't you didn't get attacked this week well so what what would you do about that i think that plays into this type of discussion that we're having
1: indeed good news is no news in the cyber atmosphere and so the issue we have is we have more and more devices getting connected however i think it's gartner estimates now that there are 8 billion devices connected around the world there'll be three times that many over the next 3 to 4 years and how do we defend against those it's mobile devices, it's tablets, but it's also things such as air conditioning units all being connected in government buildings that are connected to our major networks. So our cyber teams have a major challenge ahead of them. They have to be alert as to whether some virus or threat exists in one application on a single phone while simultaneously defending against other ports into firewalls. So it's a very, very big job, very daunting. But it is the new warfare. Future wars are gonna be less about military hardware and more about knocking out information bases or capturing information.
0: So you're setting us up to be very depressed, by the way. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> it's all about cyber there, warfare, and there hackers. Are, so so I'm, I'm, that's where I wanted to get us to. So the state of cybersecurity yes. is, everything is really scary, but there's hope. So talk, to, what, what is our hope? Give us Obi-Wan, tell us the hope.
1: <laughs> well, let's start with the recognition by our leadership. That first of all, this is a government priority. Congress has now given our CIOs more authority and autonomy over federal IT budgets, knowing that most of those budgets now are a good portion are going to be put toward cyber defenses. So as our challenges increase, we have to turn more and more of this over to our experts. We have to get more fleet of foot, especially in a government area where we're, again, generally fairly slow. We're a large bureaucracy. So Let's talk about all of this in the context of mobility. So mobility, of course, presents an unprecedented opportunity with also unprecedented risk. Phones are portable. They're subject to loss or theft. They store a lot of information these days, right? They're really storage devices, which makes them attractive targets to adversaries, countries, terrorists, organized crime, independent hackers who are now targeted with malware to compromise the phone. So take an example You may have a member of Congress who travels overseas as a part of a congressional delegation. Inevitably, a phone gets left in a cab in a restaurant on an airplane. That phone possesses all kinds of information. Could be someone from the Intelligence Committee. This is what keeps security officers up at night is these kinds of scenarios.
0: One thing you bring up here, and I think that's a really interesting example around the congressman or the senator or even just you going to a foreign country and leaving your phone, we think passwords enough. And we also don't think about our phones as something that is being attacked these days. We think our laptops and our desktops. If you think about all the security we've added to those devices over the last few years, the phone, we don't add as much. So maybe talk a little bit about what you're seeing in that respect around, for instance, why the mobile device now is the, the, if you will, the path of least resistance for hackers in some ways.
1: Yeah, you know, the data, recent data is showing that tax on mobile devices is going up 20% each year, and that's commensurate with the growth of mobile devices. You talk about in the government millions of portable devices like this, mobile phones and tablets. But as an example, take last year, we had something called the crack virus that was tacking mobile phones, and in particular, Apple phones, iOS-based handsets. And this did not target the hardware on a phone so much, Jason, as it did. It went after the information, the contacts on a phone, any kind of data on the phone became. And you had a military organization, one of our uniformed agencies, in this case, the Air Force, happened to protect against something like this by use of containerized technology on the phone. And I'll talk a little bit further about this. Later on, but they estimated if they had not protected their phones, over 22,000 mobile phones in the hands of Air Force leadership could have been compromised.
0: I think that's a great example. It's very similar to the one we hear about, for instance, the WannaCry virus with the desktops. If agencies hadn't moved off Windows 7 or 8 or whatever they were up to back then, you know, and, and, and they would have not closed that patching hole. The other piece of this is not just the phone, is your example but also the connected devices, more and more connected devices, whether it's sensors for that NOAA National Weather Service are using or CBP is using on the border or even just GSA using it on the buildings for to measure heat and air conditioning, electricity usage. How are those also becoming more vulnerable?
1: Well, first of all, if we analyze just the hardware that's being used for mobile phones, these are consumer-grade devices, right? We're all used to these. We love them. We're addicted to them but they're not government grade security. So when we talk about vulnerabilities on these, there has to be extra layers. When we're talking about national security at stake. Again, with attacks up 20% a year, more spyware becoming attacking these phones and seeking out information off these phones, they inherently become more vulnerable. You have for example, if I were the CEO of let's talk about a uh, private sector example, if I were the CEO of a bank and I have 100,000 employees all accessing my network through their mobile phones, some bring their own to work, some might be issued by the bank, all it's going to take is one rogue application to tunnel in through that phone and perhaps access the network and compromise the security of the bank, right? In government, it's the same thing. We talk about our defense systems. You talk about sensors being out there. And we had one very odd example where a casino outside of government. A casino was hacked into through the aquarium. (laughs) So there's there's nothing that's not being connected these days. We've had Fortune 500s attacked through air conditioning systems. Our government faces the same vulnerabilities as we connect.
0: And I think that's something that that realization is starting to come really to the forefront that as you said in the beginning, yes, you're only as strong as your weakest link, but that weakest link is more and more becoming, if you will, the tablets, the smartphones, the connected devices. Why do you think that realization is happening? It's not just because IT modernization. It's not just because we all have a phone. We've all had a phone for, for a decade. Where do you think that – did something happen or just it's, it's an evolution of education among the senior leaders?
1: This is somewhat of a little of both. Um, we are, as we have – Uh, had our own catastrophic attacks. We all know about the OPM attack from a few years ago, attacks on the VA and other installations. We are simply scared to death about major attacks on the infrastructure, be it our defense infrastructure, our energy infrastructure. Um, Those are things that are now vulnerable because we're creating these tools for not only communication, but really unprecedented work collaboration and productivity. But, you know, last year, DHS put out a report that said mobile devices extend enterprise borders outside the physical walls, fences, guards, and firewalls that previously protected the enterprise against physical attacks. Additionally, they have full range of sensors not seen in previous computing devices, which enable new types of attacks on these devices as well as systems they touch. Further, this means that they share many of the same security threats as traditional desktop and laptop computers and they're also exposed to more threats brought about by their mobility, complexity, and those additional sensors, such as GPS.
0: And I I remember the DHS report when it came out, and I think that one of the things that was highlighted in that was this, if you will, broader concern about the connections. We're gonna talk in the next segment in a minute about what to do about it, so we're not just scaring people. But can you give me a sense of of if you're an agency and you're worried about all these different connected devices, is there one type of device or one, I don't mean a brand, obviously, but should I be most worried about tablets, most worried about smartphones? Should I be most worried about these Internet of Things devices?
1: I'm going to touch on it in the next segment, but I believe that success can be achieved through a combination of both technology but also policy. So it's less about hardware and more about policy, policy enforcement, as well as using, of course, the best off-the-shelf encryption and tools that we have available.
0: All right, you just give us a great time to take a break and segue us into the next segment. You're listening to the Discussion Innovation and in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Do you know all the ways BlackBerry software impacts the enterprise of things? BlackBerry was the first EMM vendor to receive full operational capability for the DoD. BlackBerry At Hot is the first and only FedRAMP authorized crisis communication service. BlackBerry, trusted by DHS and 70% of federal government employees. Security that addresses the entire enterprise from end to end. Learn how BlackBerry can help your agency. BlackBerry.com slash government. Tune in on Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m.
1: for the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Carasoft and its partners. Learn from industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing technologies. Innovation in Government examines a wide range of topics and evaluates their payoff. cybersecurity, big data, cloud computing, and more. Innovation in Government, Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. Search keyword innovation.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to the Discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Carisoft on FederalNewsRadio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Paul Battaglia, the Vice President of Federal Sales for BlackBerry. Now, Paul, before break, you were telling us all the problems, all the scary numbers, the, the three times as many uh, devices that will be connected to the internet over the next three to four years, the number of attacks that happened, the, the fact that attackers now are going after cell phones and connected devices much more than we've seen in the past. There's gotta be some solutions here. At the very end, you give us a little teaser. There's policy solutions, there's technology solutions. Let's start us with the policy side.
1: Well, thank you, Jason. Some of these are very much common sense. One thing the government has done over the years is accumulated several hundred different platforms to manage all kinds of different devices, right? So you might have a platform to manage your your PCs in the network, you might have a mobile device management platform to manage your phones. It's simply now the best policies come down to managing mobility the same way or in conjunction with managing all your other things on the network, right? uh, your, your PCs, for example, your laptops. This is a mobile workforce, but if you can consolidate those to make management easy without having to worry about updates, upgrades to software, education, and training, this helps in our cyber defenses. Familiarity is important and Fortunately. We're seeing many agencies now adopt this policy and actually implement it, getting down to single, the common phrase is a single pane of glass to manage all the devices on their network. So that's first and foremost. Secondly, at the same time, and in conjunction with this, they're looking to connect now. Agencies are looking to connect right onto existing networks. BlackBerry happens to have a network people can connect on. There are other networks. And this reduces the number of ports, going into the firewall of an agency. Therefore, fewer ports means fewer opportunities for a hacker to get through. So that is also being adopted. We now hear that Congress is looking at some legislation to help in procurement processes. You know, an internet year, Jason, is only three months, right? An internet year is three months. A government fiscal year is 12. Our adversaries are not waiting for the next procurement before they attack they're attacking us daily. So we're looking at reform in that area. It's being pushed heavily on the Hill. We're hopeful for some legislation in that area that will speed up our procurement processes. If you go back to 1941, Churchill said to FDR, give us the tools and we'll finish the job, referring to World War II. The same euphemism can be used today with our cyber defenses and our cyber teams. If we give them the tools, they'll finish the job.
0: I know you bring up procurement and we could talk all day about it, but I'm going to back us up for a second and talk about the MDM piece, the the managing devices. It's amazing. I, I am surprised to hear that they have so many different ways to manage devices. It's one thing to say I'm going to manage laptops and desktops one way, but they even have multiple ways to manage mobile devices, don't they?
1: They do. There are multiple ways. And I've been into some large organizations here in the government where they have four and five different MDMs that are departmentalized.
0: Can can we blame vendors on that? Too many salespeople?
1: Uh, There probably too many salespeople. Too many promises. But there could be a specific fit that an MDM had in a specific area.
0: And and is it just the evolution that uh, you know five, seven, eight years ago, when when agencies were buying, getting on board with MDMs, that they weren't so the the solution was very point where this is for, we'll pick on BlackBerry, this is for BlackBerry phones. You don't make phones anywhere. We know that, but but we'll pick on you for a second since you're here. And and then, oh, I need one for an Android. Oh, I need one for an Apple. Oh, I need one for something else. But now really any MDM can manage almost any type of device. Is, is, that, is that part of this? That's the evolution we're seeing?
1: I think that is exactly the evolution. In, in our case, for example, BlackBerry used to manage BlackBerry phones, but now it's all heterogeneous. Right? We manage iOS and Androids and Blackberries, all with the same levels of security. So the need to have these point products has really dissipated, at least in our case, that we can speak to. We can manage other devices even on the network. You're seeing, again, we talked about the enterprise of things earlier. So that goes even beyond mobility. So the goal is here to create a centralized system that I can manage all the things on the network, mobility tablets, PCs, laptops, even the outside things like air conditioning units and so on and so forth, everything that's being connected.
0: And I know I mentioned the very beginning of the opening that the continuous diagnostics and mitigation program was looking down that path too. So I think that you're, from a trend perspective, you're absolutely right. The other thing that you talk about as we talk about policy is not just consolidation of the, the MDM, but you also talk about the training piece, and the workforce piece, and that has to be a policy side too. Uh, Maybe talk a little bit about that piece of it because you need the people, not just the technology, and we'll get to technology in a second, or not just the policy in this case.
1: Yeah, in the case of mobility, Jason, the enforcement of policy is critical here. With each new revision of an operating system, say iOS or an Android, we get deeper and deeper encryption. But with millions of phones out there within the government, how do you enforce what level they're at. This becomes critical, right? Hackers become familiar with a certain level of the operating system. They know how to tunnel through it. So it's important that we keep all of our phones up to date to have that encryption embedded. The same thing with applications on the phone. Applications need to be updated for the same reasons. And you know, the other issue we've been dealing with here in the government as in industry is simply talent shortages right? And the number of people who specialize in this area is not large. It's a growing field. I mean, we have great news coming out of places like the Naval Academy or the former deputy director of NSA, Chris Inglis, has designed a a wonderful curriculum. And it's now the most popular and the fastest growing major at the academy itself. So this is the hope we have, is that we have our best and brightest on this problem now.
0: You bring up this idea of patching this idea of make, making sure you're up to date that's one of the big challenges they call it cyber hygiene on the desktop what's happening on the mobile device level is a similar thing can we is there a way to ensure that you can stay up to date with your patches and, and your the latest OS
1: well one of the best tools that is now available are notification tools from the IT department to the users out there so we can send out now mass distribution text messages to the users in our user base to notify them that they need to be in compliance by a certain date. And then they need to report back to the IT department that they have complied with that request. Again, one of the more important things we can do in terms of, as you call it, cyber hygiene is keep that operating system up to date.
0: And I think you make a great point to say, you know, it's, it's the weakest link piece. And if you, oh, I haven't updated my OS and in six months or eight months and all of a sudden a hacker has has figured out where to exploit that os because you and then the company patched it but you didn't accept that patch that becomes all of a sudden a huge hole in the network And, and that goes back to this idea of vpns as well maybe this is the technology side we get into now are there ways to to deal with the technology side policy first technology second
1: yeah i think um well i think the best approach is to deal with them in parallel Right.
0: Uh, uh, I guess um, I meant in our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> I, just, you're, you're right. Uh, n- n- nothing's uh, done by uh, itself. Go uh, ahead, Paul.
1: Uh, agree. There are many things now. Pulsing enforcement is job one. It's something we can do today. We have great technology, and there are very specific technologies now available to protect a phone, right? To protect, I talked about earlier, a container on a phone. A container is a specialized area in the phone that was originally designed to separate corporate or government data from personal data on one's phone. But now it is really a security apparatus in the government to protect that phone against rogue intruders. It has bigger levels, deeper levels of encryption in it, and it becomes much more of a challenge to a rogue actor to get into it. So the container isolates the government data, and then it controls and encrypts the use of the sensitive data and has policies to prevent distribution of the data off the phone.
0: And that means, let's break it down to a, a smaller level, if I'm hacking your phone and I I, I can not only not get into your container, but if I do get into the container, there's still two, three, four more levels of security in there. That's
1: correct. It's very deep security. It is something that is now, thankfully, being widely adopted throughout the government. And the containers used to be, In the old days of three or four years ago, it used to be kind of clunky, kludgy technologies. Now they're not. They're very seamless in the environment. And you can use them, for example, with multi-factor authentication, which I use in my own business life daily. I have two ways of having to, that I can get into my corporate email, one through my phone, one through my desktop, but I have to get permissions on both devices before I can do it. So if I lose a phone or if I have a laptop stolen, for example, someone probably have to be pretty clever to get into my laptop because they don't have the second factor of authentication.
0: You bring up multi-factor authentication. We could probably talk all day about the DOD CAC or the PIV in the civilian sector, but maybe just give me a top level sense of where two-factor multi-factor authentication is going as it relates back to mobile devices. Your example is very good. You need two phones maybe to get on your laptop or two a second factor to get on your network. But where else can it go with the phone itself, maybe? Yeah.
1: Well, I think the big thing in the government here is, since you bring up CAC, is for years now, the government, the DOD, has been trying to get rid of the CAC in in favor of something called derived credentials, which actually produces your certificate on the phone to show that you are who you say you are. And this has now been adopted in in FISMA requirements coming out of Congress. And it is now widely adopted in a program called Purebred in the DoD, something we comply with, and something uh, most manufacturers are working to comply with.
0: We've written a lot about Purebred; it's a very interesting topic. I'm not sure that it has, I'm not sure why it has not spread yet to the civilian side, but that's a different discussion. Uh, Paul, we're almost out of time. This has been a very fascinating conversation. But before I let you go. We've talked a lot about the problems. We've talked about some some longer-term solutions. What is something that someone can do today or tomorrow? What What is something that an agency, a CISO, can make a difference today to protect their mobile devices? What are a few things that come to mind?
1: Well, one of the areas, there's a powerful technology now out called digital rights management. And this is also, again, thankfully being widely adopted and widely looked at. But essentially, this is the uh, a technology that or a policy coupled with a technology that prevents the next Edward Snowden, right? So we have we have leaks in the government. You've probably heard about those. Uh, sometimes they're accidental leaks. Sometimes in the case of Snowden, they're not accidental. What digital rights management does, and again, this can be done via a phone, is protects our vital information that's contained on a phone. So a document, for example, vital document, we can put a moat around that document and put specific policies around that document. I may not want that document circulated outside the corporate network, the government network that it's on. So I'll geofence it within that network. I might want to watermark it so no one can take a picture of it. These are all the kinds of things. In the case of Snowden, Snowden stole documents via a thumb drive. And I can even set a policy now that says this data that you're looking at now cannot be copied to any kind of storage device other than the one that's on. So this is very, very powerful technology that needs to get around the government uh, very quickly. It is being widely adopted, and there's some great use cases on it. Our Air Force is using it now for their flight bag program to protect our fleet, our air fleet, and many other agencies are using it to protect information. But it is widely being adopted, and there is hope now to protect information from leaks.
0: You know, you're making my life as a journalist just a little bit harder by uh, can't take pictures, can't move storage devices— So I'll come back to you on that. Uh, Paul, this has been a fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. So let me thank my guest, Paul Battaglia, the Vice President of Federal Sales for BlackBerry. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time today.
1: Thank you, Jason. Good to be with you.
0: I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Innovation in Government, sponsored by Carisoft on federalnewsradio.com, 1500 AM. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Innovation Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at Federal News Radio, keyword innovation.